Hey, Venue 12, welcome in. We are so glad to be with you again on the V12 podcast, which is becoming our new norm, um, even though it still feels a little bit weird to make, and it feels weird not seeing you guys all the time, but I hope that this finds you well. I hope that these last few have been really useful for you, um, not only in listening and taking notes, but in talking about it with your huddles as well. So um, we are going to take a break from stewardship on this podcast. We've been talking about that and we will continue to, but um, I have a guest with me who is going to talk to us about something else and this is when he could do it and so I really wanted to make it work, but uh, we have uh, our head pastor. We have Garen. So guys, welcome Garen to the podcast. Garen, we're really glad that you're here. Hey, glad to be here. Pretty exciting for me to get to hang out with you guys. We say hang out, but we're talking into a mic in an empty room in an empty building. So it's it doesn't feel like hanging out, but yeah, we get to. We get it. Yeah. And actually, just before uh, we started recording, Garen, it popped up on your phone a notification from USD 253 that... Yeah, was, I shocked me. I couldn't believe it. There's something weird. Um, hold on. Yeah, it, it looks like everyone's going to... Like, they're just saying this semester doesn't count. Like, you've got to go back and do this semester again next year maybe i don't know that's kind of weird we'll look yeah, at that later which should be a bummer i'm glad my kids are out of high school because yeah. they would be so ticked if uh if that happened to yeah them, so wow that's weird okay right um hey we have garen here today and we're going to talk about being a non-anxious presence and that's something that he has talked about at tabc um in regular church session but i'm not sure that all of us have, have had our chance to like sink our teeth into it and really think deeply about it and so, um, speaking of non-anxious presence, that that was a joke, guys. You don't have to repeat school. April Fools. It is April Fools when we, we record got you. this. So if you Googled that, we win, and we got you to freak out. But that was a test to see if you are a non-anxious presence or not. And if you freaked out, then you really need this podcast because you're probably too anxious. So, um, but we are going to be talking about being a non-anxious presence. And Garen, we had you in to talk about this because obviously, with the timing. Um, it's more important now than ever as believers in Jesus and people who are walking with him to be that non-anxious presence to society, to our friends, right? So we just want to jump into um, what it is and why it's important and all that. So let me just start with this. Let's just start from square one. Let's say no one has ever heard the words non-anxious presence before. Can you kind of take us through what we mean when we say that? Yeah, it's it goes back to the whole systems theory of, of family, of any organization that that uh, the need for a system works best when it is not anxious, when there's not anxiety or stress in it. That is families, it's any organization, and how significant that is, how important it is that leaders of systems demonstrate that, but sometimes the leaders don't. Um, I was telling Jordan, I grew up in a family. I had a parent that was very high in anxiety, and I learned that from them, from growing up around them for 20 years, and... So sometimes it needs to be somebody else. Maybe if it's not the leader, somebody. So maybe you guys need to, to exhibit that. But I think we need it now more than ever. Your generation needs it. The anxiety levels are are just out the roof. Is that right? Out the roof. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, kids say out the roof. Yeah, that's a thing. You nailed it, Garen. Yeah, in the 30s we said that all the time. <laughs> But you are absolutely right, and I didn't even think about that, but with this generation specifically, anxiety is so incredibly high for a myriad of reasons. We, we've we talked about it in youth group before about all those things that cause it, but I mean, this is so timely. This generation, 
you, you put an already anxious generation in maybe the most anxious time period in the last, I don't know, X amount of years in American yeah. culture at least, if not globally. And like there are definitely going to be people and students who, who are freaked out. So um, yeah, let's talk about, you mentioned a little bit why it's important to be that non-anxious presence. I mean, it's good for us, but then also on a level of just displaying that to our non-Christian friends too, what would it look like? If we are people who go to church and then as soon as that's taken away and we, you know, uh, things change for us in the least bit, we freak out and we're the ones who are leading the charge on the world is ending and all this. I mean, what does that say Yeah. about Jesus? It doesn't say anything good about it. Yeah. If all. you have the same level of anxiety as people who don't know him, then in the end, it's clear to them that he doesn't really make a difference in your life or my life. And so what's the point, right? Right. And that's why it's so important that we're not just people who attend programs or who say they belong to something or, you know, show their membership card at church, but are people who really do walk with Jesus. Because when push comes to shove, we need to be different than the people that we rub shoulders with in the world, right? Because otherwise we're just, we're all the same and what we say doesn't really have a lot of... Yeah. And those first followers, they were called followers of the way, of the way of Jesus. And if we can't demonstrate his way, then... um, yeah, we just don't make an impact. So we've got to, it's not just got to be in our head. It's got to be in our life and our, our behavior, our attitudes. Yeah. So let me just reiterate, just just make sure we're on the same page here. Being a non-anxious presence means um, being rooted in something that allows you to go through hard or anxious times and not follow the same waves of anxiety and freak out that the rest of culture follows. Am I, am I following yes. that? Is there anything yes. I'm missing there? That's that's pretty much it. And I would even say it doesn't mean that you have no anxiety, but it's that it's it's an anxiety that is, I think, under the control of the spirit and that doesn't get overblown. And right. um, yeah, that's what I would say. So it, that's a great point because if a student is out there and they're like, oh no, I have felt anxious. I feel anxious even now about what's going to happen. Does that mean I don't know Jesus? I mean, speak to that fear that a yeah. student might have. No, it doesn't mean that. In fact, one of the most encouraging things to me on that whole concept is Jesus, on the night before he dies, is talking to his followers about that you can have peace that the world can't give. But that same night, it says that his own soul was, soul was troubled. And we know that Jesus exhibited peace. So peace doesn't mean an absence of a sense of trouble but it means that it's in balance, that is kept in perspective to a bigger picture of things to where it's at a level that it's not controlling your attitudes or your behavior. So it doesn't mean I'm not troubled inside, mm. that I'm not unnerved, but it means that it's, it's at a level that there's something bigger that's, that's, that's the dominant thing in my mind than that unnervingness. Yeah. So, does that make sense? That is really good. That's really excellent because that gives us a framework for, you know, I feel anxious or I feel nervous about this thing. I feel fearful. But that gives us a place to put that and not just be like, oh, well, I'm in sin if I feel that way. No. I mean, for heaven's sakes, Jesus felt that way. So yep. what, do, what do you do with it? That's really what it's about. Yep. That's excellent. Okay, so we've, we've talked about this non-anxious presence, the need for a little bit. Um, but, Garen, the next thing I want to ask you is you, you don't just wake up and flip a switch. They're not just going to finish this podcast and be like, well, I'm not anxious. Well, the world is great. Okay, awesome. Um so how do we live into a non-anxious presence? What, where does it come from? What is it rooted in? Can you just talk about like how we get there a little bit? Yeah, so for me, I mean, we and I, t- we talked ahead of time, and there's, we're going to hit a number of things, but one of the big ones to me is the whole concept when I studied counseling in seminary is that 
the way a person you change is is you change thinking and then thinking affects behavior and behavior affects emotions the emotions is the last thing and that my emotions will become influenced a lot by how i choose to live and so with that whole thinking what i i go to romans 12 2 where paul says be um to be renewed in uh the thinking of your to in the thinking that we were renewed in the thinking of our mind. And the way renewal happens, I think, is we've got to be in the Word of God. We've got to be in community that help us keep focused on the reality of the kingdom. And that's the only way I can have renewal in my thinking. So it's got to start with your thinking. And that's what we were talking about, that those disciplines of being in the Word every day, of being in prayer, um, I think are so significant. And two specific things that I think of is... Uh, Dallas Willard said, unless you really are convinced that God is great and God is good, you will not trust him with your life. Mm. And I don't just generate that on myself. That comes from being in the word and reading about Jesus or seeing stories of how God did things that helped me in my own thinking to be settled on those issues. Man, I really loved, that's like a great soundbite, that thinking leads to behavior, which leads to emotions, that we can't just jump headlong into feeling better right away, but it really... It starts with our head, and then you went to Romans 2, which is so good, and in my version here, it says, let God transform you into yes. a new person by changing the way you think, mm-hmm. um, and that begins with an interaction with him. It doesn't begin with making a decision in your head to be better, or even you know going to church and saying, I, I, I've done that, I'm a good person now. It really begins with encountering God, and specifically in his word, and letting that renew the way that you think. Yep. So God renews your thinking. That... That begins to change your behavior, and out of that new behavior um, come different emotions than you felt in the past. Yes. That, that gives us such a great roadmap for how we get there. That's really, really good. And then once again, you know, we showed a video before the world ended um, and venue just about how much impact reading the Word of God at least four times a week has on you, and all the stats of like, you know, feelings of joy and relief go up X amount of percent and feelings of guilt or, you know, unhealthy habits go down X amount of percent. And it's like, this, this isn't just stuff we're making up and it's not stuff that we're just now discovering. Like God told us this all the way back through Paul and Romans that, I mean, no duh, that's where it starts is encountering me and my words. So that's just another reminder that once again, that is so, so key. Um, Garen, you have lots of great notes written down. Is there anything before I jump into my next thing that you you yeah, want to I, say about I this? really want to. I really want to challenge you that it's got to go beyond thinking, um, because we don't just believe. That's the transformation of my transformation through re, the renewing of my mind. But we believe, meaning if you don't put mm. into action what you claim to believe, then it's useless. And it's only by living it and stepping into truth that really it starts to transform me. And this is what I learned growing up in a home with a lot of anxiety, is. I grew up in a home where I wasn't pushed or challenged to step into my fear. And I wish so badly as a child that I had been challenged to step into it. I had to learn that on my own in my 20s and 30s. And that that's what I've learned is that as you step into your fear, that's actually how you put what you're reading in the Word into practice. And it's the behavior from the thinking that changes your feelings. If you just try to change your feelings from thinking alone, it won't work. You've got to do the behavior. I, if you don't mind, Teddy Roosevelt's a great example of this. Um, a lot of people don't know, but he, he says that he grew up nervous and timid. Um, but he read of people that he admired, um, that the people he admired were fearless and they could hold their own in the world. And he said, I had a great desire to be like them. 
Um, but until I was nearly 14, I let this desire be nothing more than, than daydreams. And he finally realized, that, as he said, I had to train myself painfully and laboriously, not merely as regards to my body, but as regards into my soul and spirit. And so he put into practice the, the dictum that goes back to C.S. Lewis, that courage is the first virtue, that is the foundation under other virtues. If I want to treat somebody with love, but I don't have the courage to do it, I won't do it. And that courage really was the most important thing. And so here's what he said, that by acting as if I was not afraid, I gradually ceased to be afraid. And I have found that in my own life, that when I, even if I have fear, if I say, you know what, the, God wants me to initiate this, or he wants me to step into my fear and trust him, and then when I make that behavioral choice over time, that is the thing that God uses to transform you. So it's, it is being transformed by the renewing of your mind, but it's also, I think, be living, it's stepping into it. And as you do that, your feelings start to follow your behavior. That is so good. Man, you gave us like another great soundbite that we don't just believe it, but we believe it. That is so, wow, that's really excellent. And I was, I was thinking that's so true. I mean, everything you said, it, it, it just lines up um, with human logic. I mean, if you are going, uh, if you're scared to skydive, but you go up in the plane and you're standing edge of the plane and you're getting ready to jump out, but you're still terrified, if you just ride the plane all the way back down to the ground and don't jump, you're still going to have that fear. The only mm -hmm. way through that mm -hmm. to overcome that is to, is to literally do it and to be live into it, to go into it. And that's just so true, man. I, I think about, um, for me, it's like, it's like preaching. It's like being in front of people or speaking or anything like that. Um, man, I was so terrified when I first started that and I just had to go up there and, and I remember telling myself, you will never ever get any better at this or anything in your life if you don't do it scared so just do it scared um the first time and that's how you how you really really get through it and i think students garen you know students have this um this thought like like all young people do probably that adults really have it figured out and that we don't get scared with things or that you know when we do something we do it 100 percent confidently and maybe that's true some of the time for us but it's because we've done it a thousand times and the first 200 times we're probably we didn't really fully know what we we're doing, or we were trying to li like be live into it through some fear, and that you know any any sixteen year old who's listening now and says, well, you know this person who's thirty or forty or they do this really well, you know I, I just want to jump into that man. You've got you've got to jump into some fear. You've got to live through that before yep. you get to come out on the other yep. side. And we've all been there. I mean, the old Chinese Chinese saying, a journey of a thousand mile begins with one step. And if you want to get to where when you're thirty that you're living fearless. None of us totally lives fearlessly. We're, I'm constantly still stepping into fears. But if you want to get to where that's easier, you've got to start now. And do it when you're young. Trust me, I wish I had started a lot earlier than I did. I'm actually, I'm pretty fearless, Garen. I, except for when Katie gives me that look that, you know, every husband knows. Oh, yes. Or uh, when she says, uh, uh, could we have a talk? Right. Yeah, you know, that's... Yeah, that's never good. Anytime anyone says, can we have a talk, that's never a good thing. You said we need to talk after this. Now I'm kind yeah. of scared. So. But even, you, you just mentioned the fear. I mean, Jordan, he's seen it. I've have been having to speak into a camera the last few weeks, and that was new for me. And I've, that was kind of a fear barrier, but I've had to step into it because that's how you grow. So That's how you grow. And you hide Lego people in the background to, to squash that fear, To right? squash the fear. So see if, if I'll, give a, I'll give a candy bar to anybody <laughs> who finds a Lego figure this week. So but don't tell your parents. So if you find a Lego figure this week, yeah, that's right. Okay, that's good. <laughs> now you got to really hide it. Last week was Jesus. I don't know how you're going to top that this week, but we'll find a better one. Lego Jesus. Lego Jesus. 
Okay, just a few more things. Uh, Garen, one thing that we decided we want to talk about ahead of time was, you know, you mentioned growing up in a home that would probably not be defined as non-anxious, and I think a lot of our students live into that now, too, where very well-intending parents, um, but a lot of times their home life is not non-anxious. It can be actually very fear-based or anxious. And so if a student is trying to live out um, this non-anxious lifestyle, this presence, they're trying to get better at, but that's not what they experience at home, what would you say to that student as, as a piece of advice on how to go about that? Yeah, one thing, the thought on this whole idea of systems theory and this non-anxious presence is that um, a system is most non-anxious when the leadership of that system behave in a non-anxious way. But one of the things you learn is it doesn't take, that doesn't have to be the only person, that actually somebody who was lower on the totem pole in the system, that if they behave in a non-anxious way, they actually can start moving the system, um, that you can actually lead up, you can influence the people above you. Um, and to me what it is, because I remember when we were young with my parent who was so anxious, it used to frustrate us a lot. And we'd always be like, you know, we kind of nag back or we'd talk disrespectfully. And to me, I think it's, you know, as we were talking, how do you do that? It's maybe, you know, speak to a parent, just say, hey, you know, mom or dad, I've actually been, I've been learning. I had this great quote from Teddy Roosevelt about, uh, where he said that by acting as if I was not afraid, I gradually cease to be afraid and I'm trying to do that. And hey, maybe right now we have this decision or should we go outside? And maybe this is a chance for all of us to do that, to step into something and it could be a chance for us to all grow. But do it in a, not a way like, mom or dad, you, you're doing this again, I can't <laughs> believe it. But in a respectful way, maybe just trying to, to share that principle. Yeah. And if they don't bite, they don't bite. And But you still try to to be respectful and honorable. Right, yeah, you just be uh, responsible with like the amount of responsibility and influence God's given you, so I think that's good. I really like what you said about, did you use the phrase second chair? Did you say that or not? No, I didn't, but when we talked ahead of time. But yeah, but, it's that, yeah. It's, that um, it's that idea of, of the power coming from the second chair, or there being so much influence in the second chair, which is not the person who's really in charge, but someone who has some influence in that way, and you can actually institute change even though you are not the head of your household or the leader, um, just in the way that you know you do the things Karen talked about. Yeah, and the way you do that, because there's a guy who wrote a book about it, is if you come at the person that's higher than you in the system in a way that's negative, they're not going to listen to you. But if, if you will just with humility and with kindness be like, hey, how about this, and you throw out an idea that you can over time influence them. So it's just that little idea of like, hey, I'm trying to learn to step into my fear and maybe as a family we could work on that or something. And at first they may not take it, but you could plant the idea that over time um, that it could lead to that. So it's just being patient with the process. Yeah, and if they don't listen to you, just say Garen said so and then call him and just put him on the phone with your parents. That's, we'll, we'll give his phone number out later in the podcast, but that's what you do. Um, we were talking before, and we were just talking about how God, throughout the Bible, just used young people, and we're not going to go into any specific place, but, um, you know, he just always used young people in the Bible to accomplish his purposes, and he always, he never used, I don't want to say never, he rarely used the person in the first chair, right? Like, God uses the person in the second chair all the time, so the excuse that you're not the head of your household, or you're just a kid, it, it has no footing with God, because he is so 
used to using and he actually prefers to use the people who are not in control um, because what is he all about? He's about the humble things um, of this world. And so absolutely, if you're listening to this and you are in a home that is like that, but you feel like you don't have any um, control over it, man, you are right where God wants you as far as being an, an influence in that house. And then Garen, he mentioned this verse ahead of time, but it's it's one we hear all the time, but it's so good. You know, first Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone think less of you because you're, uh, because you're young, but be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and in your love and in your faith and in your, in your purity. So um, even if it's not having a direct conversation with your parent or whoever it is about being a less anxious presence, even if it just starts out with you living those things out and, and people feeding off of that, and it is contagious, um, you know, maybe that's your way your way of doing that. So, And the other thing I'd say is, is like maybe you're like, hey, I want to go out. I just want to see a friend, stand 10 feet away and hide. And if there's high anxiety in parents and they're the one who even let you out of the house, okay, you have to respect that. But it's, it's then still underneath that. There's other things around the home that just deal with you personally. So you can still step into fear in little ways, even under that, by respecting that. There's still things every day you encounter that you can control. So work on stepping into the things you can control. Pray for your parents, because if they've got an anxious spirit, I've been there, you can get it from a parent. They may have got it from a parent who got it from a parent who got it from a parent. So we want to treat them with respect and understand that and not in a blaming way or an angry way. So. Yeah. I got mine from Walmart. I was fine. And then I went in the cereal aisle in Walmart. And, and there, you, you, there were bran flakes yeah. and there was oatmeal and I didn't want any of those things. So I freaked. And then I saw you and you had two boxes of Lucky Charms. And I was like, Gary, you are part of the problem. Yes, you're, a, I, you're a toilet paper hoarder, but for uh, Lucky Charms. Yes, a hoarding, Lucky Charms hoarder. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Really quickly as we wrap up here, because we're just about done. We wanted to talk about a few ways. If you, if you are struggling with anxiety and you are struggling with, with the fear of all this and you're like, man, I really need, this needs to have some legs. I need to let this um, have some traction in my life this week. We talked about just a few things that could help with that. So I'm going to list them and Garen, you jump in as you want. But we, we talked about um, just continuing to be on mission um, in both the kids and the youth videos we released this week. They were just about being on mission and how God is on the move we shouldn't say even now, we should say especially now because he uses moments like this in culture and in society uh, to reach people. So live on mission, which means you are looking for a need um, and you are looking on, on how to fill that need. So looking around, what are just the very basic needs that people have? What are the needs my friends have, whether they're physical, emotional, or whatever? And how can I play a role in helping solve that and not putting it all on yourself, but just saying, God, how can I be, how can I be used on this? Um, and the thought there is that you're not only on mission with God and accomplishing his purposes, but when you are not focusing on yourself and you are focusing on others, that is one of the biggest ways out of anxiety. So much depression, anxiety, negative thoughts and feelings and self-esteem come from focusing too much on who you are and looking too much at your own situation. When you can get out of your own head, look to someone else, um, and, and all the better when you can look to benefit someone else and bless someone else man, that really is just going to cut anxiety off right at the knees. The last thing we wanted to say um, was that you need to be serious about your solitude. That, like we said before, you're not just going to flip this off and then flip a switch in your mind and say, hey, I'm now a non-anxious presence. Um, we went back to Romans 12.2 and just talked about how this really does begin with the renewing of your mind and how that happens when we encounter God and His Word. 
um, and just allowing our, what do we say, our thinking to affect our behavior, to affect our emotions, and how that really begins with time with God. So we have talked a little bit about spiritual disciplines, actually one of the first or one of the last ones we did before we, we, we broke apart, and I don't think it was an accident because we need them more now than ever. And so solitude was one of those, being alone in the Word with God, giving Him time, whether it's on a walk or um, you know anything where you're allowing Him to speak to you is going to be really powerful in this. So those are our big ones. Living on mission, looking for needs and filling them, um, and then being serious about your solitude, about your time with God. So um, I think those are those are big ones we want to end with. So Garen, any any final words or final thoughts as we kind of put a bow on this one? No, I think that's powerful. I feel like um, I, f- I feel like I even learned some stuff even just doing this with you. I just a reminder, Second Timothy one seven that God did not give us a spirit of timidity, right? but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline, or a sound mind, some translations say. So let us live in the way of Jesus. Let us show, you show your generation, because I can't, but you can show your generation what it's like to live in a non-anxious presence. Um, It's desperately needed. Yeah, it is desperately needed, and it will stand out in today's society. So um, now more than ever, your actions and your attitude are being looked at and have the ability to affect change in in our world. So, Yep, dude, it's been great. It has been great. Um, We are right at the 25-minute mark, so we're going to call it now. But, Garen, thank you again for being with us. This has been really helpful. So, okay. We are out of here. See you guys. Have a great week. Yep. See you.